Well, before we get started, let's see if uh, this mic will behave. Um, okay, I think it's behaving. I don't know. We'll try it. God willing, it'll continue to work correctly. Um, this morning we are in the Gospel of Mark, continuing Pete's series through that Gospel. And we're in chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, uh, reading of blind Bartimaeus and his healing. If you would all please stand as we read together from God's Holy Word once again. We're going to read together our sermon text this morning from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. This is God's inspired and true word. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. You may be seated. And would you once again please pray with me. Heavenly Father, open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things out of your law. Give us eyes to see who Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, your only begotten Son in whom you are well pleased. And may we listen to him this morning. Cast out all the nonsense from my own heart, mind, and lips that we might hear you speak to us through your word this morning. May we be your true disciples, your sheep who know your voice and love and follow you. Please send your Holy Spirit into our hearts this morning to accomplish these purposes. We pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, by way of introduction, I'd like to get, begin by simply setting the story of, of Bartimaeus in its context. In our text this morning, Jesus is journeying to Jerusalem, not only to minister, but ultimately to suffer and to die as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and then to be resurrected and ascend to the Father as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Along the road to Jerusalem, starting in chapter 8, verse 31, Mark gives us three passion predictions, some accounts where where Jesus tells the disciples what is going to happen, and he teaches them just what kind of Messiah and Savior he is. After each of these predictions, Jesus also gives instruction about what it means to be his disciple. This is the discipleship section of Mark's gospel. And this section is bookended 
by two different stories of blind men receiving their sight. So we have here a kind of literary uh, hamburger, but if instead of a, a Bill Thomas double QP halo burger, we have a John Mark triple-decker discipleship burger. I know that's kind of weird and maybe even borderline sacrilegious to some of you, but um, if you refer in the bulletin, there's a page for the sermon outline and notes that explains, I guess, where I'm, where I'm coming from. Uh, there probably aren't too many SpongeBob SquarePants fans here this morning, but we're going to have to use our imagination to draw in the, the sandwich on this chart in here. Um, and of course, if you get bored, you can actually use an actual pen or pencil and just color and doodle, and that's, that's okay too, I guess. I won't notice either way. Um, so let me explain this. I thought it was important as this passage kind of wraps up a really long section that Pete's been taking us through in the last several weeks. I thought it would be good to provide this as, a, as kind of a summary of where we've been. So if you actually start at the very bottom of this page here, we're going to build our triple-decker discipleship sandwich here, our burger. We start on the bottom with the basket. That's the foundation. That's, that's what holds everything together. Who Jesus is holds all of this together. And then we have the bottom bun, which is the healing that we read about in our Unison Scripture reading from the Gospel uh, Mark chapter 8. And then we have these three patties, and they are kind of organized the same way. They all begin with Jesus predicting his coming suffering and death. And then a bunch of uh, teaching about what it means to be a follower of Christ. Each section then starts with those predictions. So we've got the first patty, prediction, and then teaching about how to be a disciple, what it means to be a disciple. The second burger patty, again, 931, how Jesus he predicts that he will suffer and die for the sins of his people. And then more teaching about what it means, what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. The third, same kind of outline. Jesus teaches that he, and he predicts that he will, be, uh, he will suffer and be handed over and, be, and, and die. And then he teaches what it means to be his follower. So we've got the bun, the healing, then three sections of teaching that he will suffer and die and what it means to follow him. And then on top is our text this morning, the healing of Bartimaeus. That's the top bun, another healing. And that kind of puts the whole sandwich together. And if that is offensive to you, if you just take your paper and turn it this way, then you can pretend that the, the buns are actually bookends, okay? And then the three parts in the middle are books. So that might feel more academic and, and respectful if you want to do that instead. Now, the man in Mark 8 from our Unison Scripture reading, he was healed in two stages. But Barnabas was healed immediately. It seems that part of Mark's intent in this large section is to give us a picture of the patient work that Jesus is doing in the hearts of his disciples. You might recall that the, that the disciples, they are slow to understand. They're slow to see the truth about Jesus and about what it means to follow him. We saw this last week in Pete's sermon in the example of James and John who wanted places of honor, power, and glory in Jesus' kingdom. The disciples' blind spiritual eyes were being healed in stages, like the, blind, the first blind man. 
but they would certainly be completely healed. As they were transformed by the truth of who Jesus really is, these men were emboldened and were used by God to turn the world upside down. And I think I'm going to turn this mic off and plug in better that clicking is making me crazy now hopefully this doesn't like blow up in my face or something that'd be bad <coughs> that'd be actually worse i mean really technically technically it is okay let me just lower that all the way up pete had it all set for me too he had fresh brand new fr fully charged battery so i was all good to go and then we have crackle oh well so now that brings us to Bartimaeus, who Mark offers to us as a model of true discipleship. Bartimaeus is a blind beggar who we meet just before Jesus enters Jerusalem. Bartimaeus is utterly dependent. He has no claim to greatness or power, but he cries out to Jesus for healing and is saved by Jesus and then goes and follows him as his master and Lord. Bartimaeus is an example of genuine faith, of true discipleship. He is among the sick who know they need a doctor and who know that Jesus alone is the great physician who can heal them. We'll look at his story in three sections this morning. Our main idea is Bartimaeus became a true disciple of Jesus, and a true disciple cries out to Jesus, is healed by Jesus, and follows Jesus. So first, a true disciple cries out to Jesus, verses 46 through 48. They came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. We read here that, as, as Mark already mentioned earlier in this chapter, Jesus was leading the disciples up to Jerusalem. Now they come to Jericho. Jericho had been rebuilt by the Herods as the site of a magnificent winter palace, and it was known as the City of Roses. It was a popular resort city, so it was probably a good place to beg. Jesus was accompanied by his disciples and a great crowd. There was a large company of pilgrims making their way up to Jerusalem for Passover. As this great caravan journeyed together, they passed many people probably sitting by the roadside begging. One of them was Bartimaeus. Only Mark mentions his name. Matthew says that there were two blind men. But Mark and Luke only mention one. So Mark and Luke perhaps just focus on on the one who ended up being more well-known in the early church, possibly. Some commentators suggest that perhaps Bartimaeus later became a pivotal member of the church in Jerusalem. So that's why Mark mentions him by name. Bartimaeus is an Aramaic name. And some think the description, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, signifies that Bartimaeus was the son of a blind man. So he was the blind son of a blind father. Not only born blind, but born of those that are blind. 
So here's Bartimaeus sitting by the roadside begging, forced to beg for his daily needs due to his blindness. But he is not too proud to beg, and there he sits in his usual spot. Like the folks we'd see to take turns begging at the traffic light on the I-69 off-ramp at Center Road, he, he stumbles to his usual spot as he, at his usual time. And he begs, he asks earnestly for passers-by to give him some food, some material help so he can make the need, meet the needs of another sightless day. But then he hears that Jesus of Nazareth is coming. Jesus of Nazareth. As Jesus was identified as the Nazarene in the first miracle that Mark records, so he is identified here in this last miracle that Mark records. Nazareth not only tells us where Jesus is from, but it links these two stories at the opening and closing of Jesus' healing ministry. Now, when, when Bartimaeus hears that this Nazarite of God is coming, he begins to, begins to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David was a popular way of addressing or talking about the Messiah, since the Messiah would be a descendant of David. During Christ's ministry on earth, son of David and Messiah had become synonyms. Son of David meant Messiah. So unlike the general public, Bartimaeus did not think Jesus was merely one of the prophets of old, or John the Baptist risen from the dead. Bartimaeus displayed penetrating insight into the person of Christ. Though he did not understand all that was entailed in Jesus' role as Messiah, he recognized that Jesus was, in fact, the anointed one of God. Remember, Jesus has set his face toward Jerusalem and toward demonstrating that he is indeed the Messiah, the Son of David, the Son of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Bartimaeus' use of that title probably indicates that despite his physical blindness, he believed Jesus of Nazareth was Israel's Messiah, in contrast with the blind unbelief of most Jews. He had come to an exalted conclusion about Christ. So because of who Jesus is, Bartimaeus cries out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Take pity on me, Eleazar. Indeed, this is the constant cry of God's people, rehearsed in the liturgies of millions of Christian churches around the world and around the clock. Kyrie Eleazar, Lord, have mercy but many rebuked Bartimaeus. Many rebuked and kept rebuking him, possibly even the disciples. The same disciples who had just been taught by Jesus himself in the passage right before the story of blind Bartimaeus, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. But as the disciples had rebuked the parents who were bringing their children to Jesus earlier in the chapter, which we had read about last week, so they rebuked Bartimaeus here. Would you be quiet? You're embarrassing yourself and us and the teacher. Jesus, he's, he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's got important stuff to do. And we're all on our way there to celebrate Passover with him. Bartimaeus, making a scene. Would you just shut up, you dumb beggar? John Calvin says, it is surprising that the disciples of Christ who follow him through a sense of 
of duty and respect should wish to drive men from the favor of Christ. But it frequently happens that the greater part of those who profess the name of Christ, instead of inviting others to him, rather hinder or delay their approach. Do you have any dumb beggars in your life? How will you respond to them? How will you treat them? Our neighbors seem to have decided to have a rather raucous party last night. And so some of us, I think, in our home, I, I know I didn't sleep that hot, but <laughs> and they were partying until like 2 o'clock this morning. But I had important stuff to do today. So how am I going to respond to them? I, I thought about, just for a second, maybe longer than a second, what if I took our big Ford van and just drove it into the driveway early this morning, got a loud horn, turn on the lights, turn on the brights, and just, I didn't do that. It kind of would have been sort of funny, but it did cross my mind. So how do we respond to these dumb beggars, these folks who, who uh, are blind like we are without Christ and yet maybe don't know it yet? Are you hindering anyone's approach to Jesus by words or actions, by a lifestyle that contradicts your profession of faith? In Christ. But Bartimaeus is undeterred by, by the crowd's attempt to shush and silence him. By the power of who Jesus is, he is made bold. He shouted and kept on shouting. He was beyond the crowd's control because he was pitifully aware of his condition. We aren't told about Bartimaeus's uh, interior life. We don't know what depression, despondency, and loneliness he might have experienced. What cursing, bitterness, and anger he might have wrestled with toward God. What envy and resentment he might have harbored toward those around him as he compared his blindness to their ability to see. But from the outcome of this event, we get the idea that he was well aware of the central truth about man's nature. That as a result of the fall, sin is in each of us. Not just the susceptibility to it, but sin itself. When people truly understand the darkness of their souls apart from God, they are compelled to turn to him in whom they find healing and ultimate comfort. They're emboldened to cry out to Jesus. So Bartimaeus cries the more. He cries a great deal. He demonstrates amazing, passionate persistence. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He kept saying it over and over again like a helpless child. Remember, not long before this, Jesus had said regarding children, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Bartimaeus was receiving the kingdom of God like a little child. He was making himself heard. And how loudly he must have yelled in order to be heard while encompassed by such a great and bustling crowd. He was crying pitifully 
chanting at the top of his lungs. He was desperate, frantic. Jesus, have mercy on me. Relieve my affliction. Alleviate my suffering and distress. Ease my misery. Relieve me of my moral and spiritual wretchedness, my deadness from the miserable and pitiful condition of my soul, my sin, my guilt, my deadness. Bartimaeus throws himself upon the Lord's mercy. He is among those who take the kingdom of heaven by force, who force their way into the kingdom of God. He, he will not let anything stop him from coming into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He will not be dissuaded from becoming a citizen of the kingdom of faith. He uses all his eagerness and strength and his desire to enter within the hope of the good news of Jesus. He is made bold by the reality of who Jesus is. His extreme sense of urgency is a mirror of what ought to be in our souls. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Have you begun to shout out in your desperation to receive mercy from the Lord? When it comes to our eternal disposition and destination relative to God, are we, like Bartimaeus, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, for mercy from Jesus? Do we realize just how blind and dead we are without him? Ephesians 2 says, You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Beware, however, for others around you might attempt to quiet your shout to the Lord for mercy. The world, the flesh, and the devil will try to shut you up and keep you from seeking the only one worthy of being sought. Will you be quieted? Or will you shout all the more? Regardless of how well you might be doing materially, physically, or emotionally, you might, in fact, be missing the greatest good of eternal life and peace with God through trusting in His Son, Jesus. You might, in fact, be falling prey, as C.S. Lewis suggests in his book, The Screwtape Letters, falling prey to the insidious workings of the devil and his fallen angels, who are very careful not to do anything to awaken us to a sense of our real position. Our policy, says the senior devil, is to conceal ourselves. All this makes people blissfully unaware of the danger they are in. Screwtape, the senior devil, continues with his, his advice to Wormwood, his nephew. He says, it does not matter how small the sins are, provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one.
the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. So we must heed Jesus' words from Mark chapter 4. Jesus said, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Bartimaeus was a true disciple, and a true disciple cries out to Jesus. Secondly, a true disciple is healed by Jesus. Verses 49 to 52, Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Well, so far in this story, there is a lot of bustling and activity. But then, in verse 49, we read these two beautiful words. Jesus stopped. The sun stood still. Jesus stood quite still. Jesus is heading to Jerusalem to be betrayed, to suffer and to die for the sins of his people. Remember from the triple-decker chart in the bulletin, Jesus has predicted his suffering and death three times. He knows exactly what he's facing in the not-too-distant future. He has a lot on his mind. He is carrying emotional and spiritual stresses and burdens that are beyond our comprehension. Yet he stops along the way in compassion for this blind man. In Psalm 46, we're told to be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. But here, in the story of Bartimaeus, in glorious, wonderful, and amazing condescension, it is the Lord himself who bees still. So that Bartimaeus will know that Jesus is God. That he is the king of kings who will be exalted among the nations. Who will be exalted in the earth. So if our Savior so humbles himself to meet the needs of sinners. How much more should we be willing to stop. To stand still. To care about. To listen to. To help those in need. Matthew Henry writes, we must never reckon it a hindrance to us in our way to stand still when it is to do a good work. So Jesus stops and he tells the crowd to call Bartimaeus to him. And notice how quickly public opinion changes. The crowd was trying to quiet Bartimaeus, but now they're encouraging him since they see that Jesus is not embarrassed by his calling out for mercy after all. It's all right now, get up, Bartimaeus. You were calling on Jesus, now he is calling you. Be of good comfort. Rise, he calls thee. And if he calls thee, he will cure thee. I wonder how Bartimaeus made his way to Jesus. Did he follow people's voices to get to Jesus? Was he led by the hand? 
Did he stumble his way to Jesus on his own? Did he and the other blind man who was with him help each other find their way to Jesus by following his voice? We aren't given these details. But we do know that Bartimaeus didn't just stand up, but he threw aside his cloak and jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Bartimaeus may have thrown off his robe because already having to deal with blindness in order to get to Jesus, maybe he didn't want the additional tripping hazard of a long robe. Or perhaps he had spread his outer cloak on the ground in front of him as a kind of, of basket for collecting any alms that people would give him. Maybe it even had some money in it, but he casts it off. He casts it aside. Money is not the answer to his problems and suffering. Like Linus in A Charlie Brown Christmas, upon hearing the good news of Jesus, he tosses aside his personal security blanket. But Bartimaeus did not merely drop his self-security blanket on the ground. He threw his cloak aside. Bartimaeus yanked off his old coat and flung it aside, jumped up, and came to Jesus. There is an extreme, this is an extreme gesture for a blind man who would normally want to keep his cloak where he could reach it and touch it. Not to mention it was probably, possibly, one of his only very few earthly possessions. He was throwing away the garments of his attempts to control and right his circumstances on his own, casting aside his own righteousness, his own begging attempts to find healing. And he had full faith in the power of Jesus and cast himself entirely upon his mercy. Those who would come to Jesus must cast away the garment of their own sufficiency, must strip themselves of all conceit of that. There's a, a joyous extravagance and, and recklessness of response when the soul becomes suddenly responsive to the call of Christ. In verse 51, Jesus first answers Bartimaeus' cry for mercy with a question. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want my will for you to be? What purpose do you want me to have for you? Our answer to this question reveals something very important about our theology, our understanding of God, his character, who he is, and about our anthropology, our understanding of ourselves, our character, and who we think we are. Consider again the contrast here with how James and John answered the exact same question in the sermon last week. Mark 10, 35-37 says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. <clears throat> While James and John request glory, Bartimaeus requests mercy. James and John, though physically seeing, were spiritually blind. Bartimaeus, though physically blind, was spiritually seeing. It is, on, it is on those who know their need, not those who assume their superiority, that God pours out mercy. And don't we just kind of cringe and feel embarrassed for James and John when we read how they answered Jesus' question? But don't we often answer Jesus' question the same way? What do I want you to do for me, Jesus? Lord, I, I, I want my life to be easy and carefree, painless. I want to be wealthy too, that'd be okay. And while you're at it, I want everyone to like me. 
Did I mention I want to be wealthy? Now, not disgustingly rich, just wealthy. But Bartimaeus knows exactly what he needs from the Lord. Lord, that I may recover my sight. Let my eyes be opened. Matthew Henry again says, Let the guilty, the empty, the tempted, the hungry, the naked be of good comfort. For Jesus calls them to be pardoned, to be supplied, to be relieved, to be filled, to be clothed to have all that done for them which their case calls for. Verse 52 says, Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight. Faith. Bartimaeus had faith in Christ that he was able to work miracles, to heal his blindness. And at once he recovered his sight. He was healed, delivered from his disease. But in the book of Acts and in the New Testament epistles, the word used here for Bartimaeus' healing predominantly means to rescue and preserve from that spiritual death which is common to all men because of Adam's sin. Calvin says, When Christ says, Thy faith has saved thee, the word saved is not limited to an outward cure, but includes also the health and safety of the soul. Bartimaeus' physical salvation was an outward picture of his spiritual salvation. He had been brought from the darkness of physical and spiritual blindness to the light of physical and spiritual sight. The gift of physical sight is wonderful. The miracle of seeing for the first time can hardly be described. Imagine how it was for Bartimaeus Blind at the beginning of Jesus' sentence, he was seeing at the end of it. No surgery, no bandages, no adjustment. Boom. Sight. He saw human beings for the first time. He saw the gawking crowd. He saw Jericho, the city of roses, hung with palm trees. But the thing he saw first was the face of Jesus. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Bartimaeus was a true disciple. And a true disciple is healed, is given power to see by Jesus. Third, a true disciple follows Jesus. Verse 52, Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Luke's gospel adds a couple more details to the story here. He says that immediately Bartimaeus recovered his sight and followed Jesus, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Is this not a picture of what should happen in our lives once we've been made God's children? He heals our souls that we are emboldened to follow him, 
and live lives that glorify him with the result that others praise God, that they see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. It's interesting that Jesus told Bartimaeus to go, but Bartimaeus didn't go away from Jesus. He followed Jesus along the road. Jesus told him to go on his way, but now his way is to go with Jesus. Bartimaeus has become one of Jesus' disciples. Mark uses the language of discipleship here when he says, follow and on the way. Having his eyes restored, Bartimaeus now uses them to see where Jesus is going and to follow him. Bartimaeus followed and kept on following Jesus. He pictures discipleship for us clearly. He recognized his inability. He trusted Jesus as the one to give him God's gracious mercy. And when he could see clearly, he began to follow Jesus. The road where he used to sit and beg, he could see now. And by Jesus' power, he could now see where he was going. He was now walking on the highway of holiness. You might recall that in the book of Acts, the disciples, the followers of Jesus, had had gained a reputation and they were known as these men who have turned the world upside down. I hope you'll bear with me once more, but I'd like to return briefly to SpongeBob and the sandwich analogy. Through the transforming power of Jesus Christ in their lives, the disciples, the early church, they took the the Krabby Patty of this world, they flipped it over and seasoned it with the love and gospel of the Son of David because of that basket that their lives were now held in. The reality of who Jesus is, the Christ, the Father's beloved Son. This happened because the Holy Spirit worked in their lives and gave them eyes to see. He healed their spiritual blindness and helped them live in the light of who Jesus is, the only begotten Son of God. What was true about Jesus led to what they would do with their lives. And as they recognized that Jesus the king of the universe, as Pete mentioned last week, became our servant, became our waiter. They fearlessly shared the love and good news of Jesus with others around them. They shared Jesus with people who, like Bartimaeus, like themselves, like every single one of us here this morning, they were in Adam, their father, born the son of a blind man, the blind children of a blind father, not only born blind, but born of those that are blind. So we pray that the Holy Spirit would open our eyes, that we might also be part of this burger-flipping, world-flipping mission, that our family, friends, neighbors, and community might see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ that we might proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, and that God who said, let light shine out of darkness, might shine in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. May God give us boldness like Bartimaeus. Excuse me. May he give us boldness like Bartimaeus to cry out to Jesus, to be healed by Jesus, and to follow Jesus. 
And may we, like the crowd around Bartimaeus, say to those around us, take heart, get up, Jesus is calling you. As the Holy Spirit makes known to us our inner darkness and helplessness, may we continually cast ourselves on Christ as our only hope and healer. May we all cry out to him, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. May we come stumbling to him in our blindness and and tell him what we want. Lord, take away my darkness and my sin. Give me life. Let me see. Jesus was passing through Jericho, never to come that way again. If Bartimaeus had not responded, he would never have had another chance. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by this morning. May we respond to his grace. Bartimaeus was a true disciple, and a true disciple follows Jesus. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. May the power of who you are and the wonder of your amazing grace fill us with boldness to cry out to you in our need, no matter what others around us might think or say or do. And may you heal us and make our blind eyes see. May you make us bold and give us courage to follow you today And until we see the bright light of your face in your eternal kingdom, we pray in your holy name. Amen. And now, if you'd all would.